Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, the Ski Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. You can follow me on Twitter at PowderhoundSkis. You can also email me at PowderhoundSkiTrivia at gmail.com for comments, questions, or corrections. I don't know about you, but I have not thought about skiing, snow, or even worn a long sleeve shirt for close to two months. That's mostly true. I've been stuck in endless summer mode. Lots of waves, sunshine, a layer of sand on the car floor, and just about every summer activity checked off an imaginary fun to-do list. A fantastic loop, for sure. But, like my friends in the Northeast, and most of ski country for that matter, seasons change. And earlier evening darkness coupled with chilly nightfall temps means one thing, fall has arrived. So it was time to take on the painful exercise of going through nine weeks worth of unread ski-related emails to learn what, if anything, happened over the summer in ski country. As it turns out, stuff happened What that means for you is my best guess at the most noteworthy ski news of the summer weeks-ish trivia questions. And to ease my transition out of the still warm northeast waters and empty beaches to frosty autumn mornings, the sandals serenade us with their trademark tune from the iconic movie, Endless Summer. Whether you're primed for fall foliage or keeping summer alive, I invite you to sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powder hounds. We begin with a familiar segment tips up your read listen and watch recommendations first up a read recommendation it's actually a map of ski areas operating on u.s national forest systems land now i opened this link before my endless summer began so my apologies to the source of which i forgot now i love maps easy reading joke aside i will always pull up a map when traveling to see what's near or around my destination Restaurants, sure, but also parks, trails, and of course, come winter, ski areas. In winter travel, I tend to forget that many ski areas operate on federal lands and admittedly too often fail to appreciate that seemingly insignificant detail, which is so critical to maintaining access to these public lands. Of the 473-ish ski areas in the United States, 122 are on the National Forest Service land. What that also means, roughly half of the 60 million plus skier visits nationwide annually occur on these lands. So point being, let's take care of these places as so many of us are already heavily invested in their future. The map is also a good reminder of the role of conservation and access to natural places. Topics I harped on last episode when talking about Yellowstone and the National Park System. 
Moving on to a listen recommendation, check out Off the Couch Podcast, episode 133 from August 16th, 2022. Ultra runners Matt Mitchell and Drew Kelly talk about how running helps you ski and how skiing can aid in your approach to running. They grab my attention when talking about how both skiing and running are unique in that both provide the sensation of moving fast through terrain. If you think about it, not too many human-powered activities allow you to move fast through wild places on various surfaces with changing elevation. The list is short. Mountain biking certainly qualifies, and surfing too, if the definition of terrain also includes punishing water. Matt and Drew also made a great case for not running year-round, how running on pavement is the first dimension to hell, and occasionally asking yourself why you run or why you ski, and also asking yourself where you love to do those most. Then ski or run there and do it often. I also never thought of ultramarathons, those 50, 75, and 100 plus mile races as quote unquote sponsored picnics, but man, that is such a great hot take. And finally, our watch recommendation. Now this is a first. I'm recommending you check out the Utah Department of Transportation, UDOT for short, their presentation on the proposed gondola over Route 210, the access road in Little Cottonwood Canyon. Now normally, I would never recommend anyone watch a recording of a PowerPoint presentation, but this one may be worth it, especially if you ski or ride Snowbird or Alta and are familiar with the area. If you have not yet experienced it, traffic on the access road to Snowbird and Alta can be a cluster. The word cluster doesn't really even begin to describe it, but if you're not familiar with the term interlodge, you should look that up while you listen or watch the presentation. Here's a similar example on congestion. Think heading to Stowe, Vermont, mid-morning, on a snowy Saturday in mid-February. Though without all the restaurants, bars, shops, and places to bail out if the weather worsens or your patience wanes. The project began in 2019, almost four years ago, with the expected decision due this winter season. Now UDOT is recommending the gondola B option, which basically means A, no roadway expansion, and B, a new gondola transporting people from the mouth of the canyon to Snowbird in 27 minutes and an additional 10 minutes to Alta. The cost, which I will reveal later in the trivia questions, is the third most expensive of the five options. The other options include various roadway expansions, enhanced bus service, and also a cog rail. Should UDOT's recommendation be accepted this winter season? Then the real fun begins raising a boatload of cash. Moving on to our main segment, nine things that happened while we were on summer break. Why nine? Well, September is the ninth month of the year. It has been nine weeks since the last episode dropped. And well, nine months seems to be a reoccurring theme in my life. First up, ski butlers. Now, this information is courtesy of Sam Ski Area Management. Quote, Altera Mountain Company has acquired ski butlers. 
a leading ski equipment rental and delivery service based in Utah. Ski Butlers will remain a standalone business with ongoing operations in 50 worldwide ski destinations while maintaining its current staff and leadership. Altera hopes to expand the service to more resorts, both within and outside Altera's portfolio, end quote. Now, why this? Admittedly, this doesn't seem newsworthy on its face. I've also never used a ski equipment rental delivery service, though it totally sounds worthwhile. But for a self-described beach bum who is emerging slowly from his endless summer mode, I've often wondered if there's a market for an Uber-type on-demand service for setting up before and packing out after a day at the beach. The service? It would be called Beach Butlers. That's right. Someone else treks across uneven sand on a blistering hot day, setting up your umbrella, readying your cooler, waxing your board, and then, at the end of the day, carrying it all out. Now, a group of us decided it would only work with a crew of eager and athletic college students, and their uniforms would have to be tuxedo tank tops, unisex, of course. For those who have watched with wonder the Nathan Is For You television show, I'm pretty sure he could make the numbers work. On to the question. Ski Butler services are available in the U.S. and Europe, France and Italy. What popular U.S. ski state are their services not available? A. Montana B. Idaho C. Oregon or D. Wyoming The answer? C. Oregon Yeah, Montana, home to Big Sky. Idaho, home to Sun Valley. And Wyoming, home to Jackson Hole. Pretty iconic ski areas. The other states that the service operates, California, Colorado, Utah, and British Columbia. Perhaps not surprisingly, the home to Lake Tahoe area, Aspen, Vail, Park City, and Whistler Blackcomb. Also pretty iconic ski areas in those states and provinces. Second, number two, Jay Peak has a new owner. This information also courtesy of Ski Area Management, but also lots of other sources covered this. Pretty big story. Pacific Group Resorts Inc. submits top and winning bid of $76 million for Jay Peak Vermont Ski Area. Finally, after six years of legal limbo after an EB-5 scandal under the previous owner, Jay Peak Vermont has a new home as part of the Pacific Group Resorts portfolio. The other five ski areas in the ownership group are Mount Washington Alpine Resort in British Columbia, Powderhorn, Colorado, Wintergreen, Virginia, Wisp, Maryland, and Ragged in New Hampshire. A note from Vern Greco, president of PGR, quote, no major changes are contemplated to the winter operating plan at Jay Peak. All existing season passes, pass reciprocity, and multi-resort pass arrangements at Jay, including the Indy Pass, will be honored for the 2022-2023 winter season, end quote. Also a quick note, Jay's, Jay Peak's discount season pass program ends October 10th. On to the trivia question. What was PGRI's opening bid for the ski area? A, 30 million. B, 41 million. 
C, $58 million, or D, $65 million? Answer, C, $58 million. And that was only after an auction with two other parties, none of which are known publicly, I believe, did they arrive at the $76 million to own Vermont's crown jewel. Now, by way of comparison, Stowe, also in Vermont, of which some would also argue is Vermont's crown jewel, closed at $41 million when Vail Resorts acquired it in 2017. Has the price ceiling been set in Vermont? Probably. Number three, third, season passes add partners. The headline is mostly for indie passes, Icon passes, Mountain Collective, and Powder Alliance pass holders. In summary, Indie Pass adds Bluebird Backcountry, Colorado, Chestnut Mountain, Illinois, and Snow River, Michigan. With those additions, Indie Pass holders will have two days of access to 96 Alpine ski areas and 13 Nordic ski areas in North America and Japan for the 2022-2023 season. A bit about Bluebird Backcountry, the only non-lift served ski area in Colorado offering more than 1,200 acres of avalanche-managed patrol terrain and more than 4,200 total skiable acres accessible via skinning up 11 marked skin tracks. Chestnut Mountain in Illinois, the largest ski area in Illinois, with 220 acres of skiable terrain across 19 trails and 475 feet of vertical, served by six aerial lifts and three surface lifts. The recently renamed Snow River Mountain Resort, it was previously Big Snow Resort in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, has two separate ski areas, Jackson Creek Summit, previously Indian Head, and Black River Basin, previously Blackjack, located a mile apart with shuttle service between them. The ski areas average more than 200 inches of snow annually and a total of 400 skiable acres. Now, back in August, Indie Pass made a huge splash in the California ski market, adding Mountain High and Dodge Ridge, the former of which is a ski area perfect for attempting the California Double. Need a refresher on those ski areas? Mountain High, vertical drop, 1,600 feet. Skiable Acres, 290, with 515 permitted for future use. And average annual snowfall, 117 inches. Dodge Ridge, vertical drop, 1,600 feet. Skiable acres, 862. And average annual snowfall, 300 to 500 inches, depending on the season. Moving on to the Icon Pass. Icon adds Lote Arai Resort in Japan and Panorama Mountain Resort in British Columbia. With the additions, the pass will provide access to more than 50 destinations in 10 countries for the upcoming season. Lote Array averages a whopping 800 plus inches of annual snowfall, you heard that right, and has more than 3,600 feet of vertical across 520 acres of terrain. It's the second Icon Resort partner in Japan, joining Neseko United. Panorama is the fourth mountain resort and fifth destination in British Columbia on the Icon Pass, joining Revelstoke, Red Mountain, Cypress Mountain, and CMH Heli Skiing and Summer Adventures. It offers 4,265 feet of vertical and nearly 3,000 acres of terrain. Moving on to Mountain Collective. 
which added five partner resorts this upcoming winter season for a total of 29 ski areas across seven countries. In the U.S., Sugar Bowl, California has been added, which boasts a 1,500-foot vertical drop across 1,650 skiable acres and gets a whopping 500 inches of annual snowfall. Also, Sun Valley, Idaho returns after three years on the Epic Pass. Sun Valley's vertical drop is 3,400 vertical feet, Skeeble Acres 2,434, annual snowfall 220 inches. Also, Snow Basin, Utah, back after three years on Epic. Vertical drop 2,900 feet. Average annual snowfall, 300 inches. Skeeble Acres, 3,000 acres. Finally, two additions from Canada also added to this season's offerings. Les Messif in Quebec, 2,526 feet of vertical drop, 406 Skeeble Acres. Average annual snowfall, 250 inches. And finally... Seriously, this time, Marmot Basin in Alberta. Vertical drop, 3,000 feet. Skiable acres, 1,720 feet. Average annual snowfall, 440 inches. And as a solemn reminder, Altera did remove Palisades Tahoe, California Mammoth, California, and Sugarbush, Vermont off the pass for this upcoming season. And finally, Powder Alliance. The Powder Alliance has added two New Zealand resorts for its upcoming winter season. The Taroa and Wakapapa ski areas, both located on the country's largest active volcano, will join 19 other destinations in North America, Japan, and Canada as part of the reciprocal offerings. Known for ample snow, world-class terrain parks, and unique volcanic terrain, Taroa offers the country's largest vertical drop at 2,369 feet. Its high noon express six-seater chairlift accesses the highest lift serve point in New Zealand and exposes riders to a variety of gullies, drops, and natural terrain. With 1,359 acres of skiable terrain and a base elevation of 5,347 feet, Wakapapa offers a balance of beginner, intermediate, and advanced riding that also utilizes its natural volcanic terrain. The resort is home to New Zealand's longest gondola, the Sky Waka. Now on to the trivia question. Which of the four passes has the most destinations in which to ski and ride? A, Icon, B, Indy, C, Mountain Collective, or D, Powder Alliance? Answer, you know it. B, the Indy Pass. 110 different ski areas on one pass. Now, some could view this as a shameless plug for the Indy Pass, as I am a pass holder, though they don't need it. As it was reported a few weeks ago, their revenue is significantly up year over year, 67% in fact, and units sold are up 52% over last winter season. Says Snowbrains, quote, Indie Pass sales smash previous record, end quote. Unofficial networks, quote, Indie Pass shatters previous record, end quote. And Sam, Indie Pass reflect growth in partnerships. Yep, the word is out. Congratulations, Indie Pass. Number four. Fourth, 
Ski and snowboard film premieres are here, courtesy of Local Freshies. Other than Top Gun Maverick, I cannot recall the last movie I've watched. Good thing it's ski film season. In no particular order, TGR's Magic Hour. Quote, Magic Hour is a culmination of powerful moments in some of the most beautiful, wild places on the planet. For 27 years, Teton Gravity Research, TGR for short, has been searching for the right place with the right crew at the perfect time to experience life at its fullest. Between the thrill of the hunt and the peace of floating down a mountain, the sum of our experiences becoming greater than its parts is where we seek. And the film Magic Hour is just that. End quote. Matchstick Productions, anywhere but here. Quote, by the time a lifelong skier reaches middle age, he or she has likely dabbled in or fully dedicated him or herself to many facets within the sport. Each facet provides an entirely new set of experiences, thrills, challenges, and rewards. Matchstick Productions 2022 ski film explores this world of opportunities through the eyes of a 12-year-old freestyle phenomenon who just wants to play and doesn't have to ponder real life quite yet. End quote. Level one, In Your Dreams. Quote, In Your Dreams is a new age ski film with locations spanning across North America and Europe, ranging from the streets of Minnesota to the Austrian backcountry. It's a gender expansive production, creating representation for women and other marginalized genders in the snow sports community, both in front of the lens and behind it. End quote. Level one, Something in the Water. Quote, a poetic ode to freedom via tricks on skis. Something in the Water condenses Jake Magu's bouts of excellence and variety over the 2022 season into an audio-centric and playful short film. End quote. Red Bull Fleeting Time. Quote, Fleeting Time follows an elite crew of riders as they search for the most epic lines and conditions. Shot across the globe over the course of two years, it's one that will not disappoint, end quote. Nexus. Nexus is, quote, a ski film documenting five distinct groups of female skiers, their connection to the mountains, and how skiing shapes their relationships. Each segment, supported by an all-female production team, explores how the mountains have been a transformative place for each of these athletes and what they've learned from their time on skis. My favorite line from the trailer, quote, if you're happy and you follow your passion, you can help others do so too, end quote. How about Promised Land 3.1, Stowe Stashin? Thanks, Kyle. Promised Land is the 16th annual production by Ski the East. Nothing better than feeling that floaty slash turn on a powder day. And it's easy to stack up a season's worth of awesome powder days on Vermont's tallest mountain. The Ski the East crew love to slash and bash all the little hidden gems on Mount Mansfield, and this past winter provided ample opportunity to do so. Plus, the tailgating scene at Stowe is pretty rad. And finally, Warren Miller Entertainment, Daymaker, the annual film. And we're going to go right to the trivia question, because that's what it's about. Daymaker is the latest annual film from Warren Miller Entertainment. What number film is it? A, the 70th, B, the 71st, C, the 72nd, or D, 
the 73rd? The answer, D, the 73rd annual film. Quote, a killer storm cycle in British Columbia. Adaptive backcountry riding like you've never seen before. The ultimate grass skiing run, Alaska. Come along for the biggest days with the 73rd annual Warren Miller film, Daymaker. Then get ready for your own because there's no better day than one out on the hill. Quick note, if you are an Outside Plus member, you get 50% off tickets. Number five, fifth, a new ski area name to know. This is courtesy of Maine Public Radio. Boyne Resorts restores Mount Pleasant name, formerly Shawnee Peak in Maine. Last episode, I focused on a ski area name change. So this update is right in my wheelhouse. Probably not big ski news for most, but it is for me at least, as Mount Pleasant is a leftover on my hit list of ski areas to visit from last winter season. Quick ski area stats, vertical drop 1,300 feet, similar to Bromley in Vermont or Ragged in New Hampshire. Skiable acres, 249, similar to Burke in Vermont or Waterville Valley in New Hampshire. Average annual snowfall, 110 inches, and it's surprisingly close to Portland. Quote, Maine's first ski area is reverting to its original name, Pleasant Mountain. Operators of what was known as Shawnee Peak for more than 30 years polled skiers about the name and announced the change on September 14, 2022. The Shawnee Peak name was chosen in 1988 by owners who already operated Shawnee Mountain in Pennsylvania, which bears the name of a Native American tribe that was pushed west by settlers. In Maine, local skiers wanted to revert to the original name. The ski mountain was created when the Civilian Conservation Corps carved a single trail on the west side of Pleasant Mountain in 1936, end quote. Now for a deeper dive in the story and history, check out the Storm Ski Journal. An excerpt from that piece with some paraphrasing is right here. Quote, there's a reason this was Maine's first ski area. The mountain is perfect for skiing with a rake of fall lines ideally tilted for cruising. The list of Maine ski areas usually starts with Sugarloaf and Sunday River, huge, glorious, and on the Icon Pass. But Shawnee, <coughs> ahem, pleasant, is a jewel hoisted dramatically over Moose Pond and a set of flats checkering towards successive lines of mountains." End quote. Yeah, I think Pleasant Mountain will stay on my hit list. On to the trivia question. How far is Shawnee Peak, <coughs> ahem, Pleasant Mountain from Portland? A, one hour, B, two hours, C, three hours, or D, four hours? The answer, A, one hour and 10 to 15 minutes. But yes, quote unquote, surprisingly close to Portland at 45.3 miles. Gotta hit that next winter season. Incidentally, Google Maps has already updated the location name from Shawnee Peak to Pleasant Mountain. Number six, sixth, most expensive day lift ticket price drops. Now this is from the Storm Ski Journal. Perhaps not at all surprising, Vail Resort sets a new record day lift ticket price this winter season during the Christmas, New Year's holiday period. Going right to the trivia question, how much is it? A, $250, B, $269, C, $275, or D, 
$299. The answer? It's not B. That was last year's record setter at Steamboat. It is C, $275 for a single day of skiing on Christmas Day of all days. So happy holidays, folks. Now, sure, that's the advertised rate. Sure to generate headlines without the discount if you purchase in advance. And of course, the earlier you buy, the less expensive the advertised rate becomes. And of course, most people skiing Christmas week have surely bought a Mega Pass or Season Pass product. But still, wowza. Now, if you're wondering about other pricey holiday period day tickets, how about this list? Beaver Creek and Vale, $275. Steamboat, $269. Park City, $259. Breckenridge, $255. Winter Park, $249. North Star, $235. Aspen, $229. And Keystone, Heavenly, Jackson Hole, Big Sky, $225. And the real bargain? How about $199 for Stowe, Vermont on Christmas Day? Though that doesn't include parking. Speaking of pricey, number seven. Seventh, Gondola B option is the future of Little Cottonwood Canyon. Now, as mentioned in the Tips Up segment, UDOT, the UDOT project is four years in the making and a handful of options have been examined and presented, including enhanced bus service, gondola configurations, a cog rail, and roadway expansions. UDOT has recommended the gondola B option, which I already covered, though the financing comes after the project is finally approved, expected sometime this winter season. Question, how much is the projected cost? A, $250 million. B, $375 million, C, $464 million, or D, $550 million? The answer? Yeah, it's D, $550 million. Yeah, it's going to cost over a half a billion dollars to get people to Snowbird and Alta in the future. It will also cost another $159 million for tolling and other infrastructure investments. So yeah, when I say a boatload of cash, I'm talking about a boatload of cash. Number eight, eighth, Winter Park opening more inbound terrain. Why is this important? Well, it's my home mountain out west. And yes, somewhat surprisingly, I've yet to do a Winter Park episode, though I have a pretty good plan for it when the timing is right. From the resort press release, quote, Winter Park is planning to open previously unutilized terrain in the Cirque territory. Quick side note, if you're not familiar with the Cirque, it's a gate-accessed inbounds headwall terrain off the panoramic lift with a summit elevation of 12,062 feet. Back to the press release. The anticipated new terrain is called Jelly Roll because of its rolling steep pitch and its ability to hold light, fluffy snow for days after a storm. <laughs> the resort is also planned to open more terrain in the chutes area on Mary Jane. These anticipated trails are controlled avalanche chutes and offer pillow lines, cliffs, and adventurous access to the popular powder field area between Trestle and the chutes. The newly accessible terrain means that skiers and riders will have access to almost twice as much expert-only terrain as last season. Another quick side note, the chutes already have a trail named Jeff shoots, so the new terrain is in good company. 
Sadly, a replica trail sign is not yet available for purchase, despite my best lobbying efforts. On to the trivia question. There are four named shoots in the above mentioned area. One is Jeff shoots. The other three are listed below in the multiple choice, but one is an imposter. Pick which one? A, alphabet shoot. B, aw shoot. C, baldy shoot. Or D, hole in the wall. The answer? A, alphabet shoot. It's a bit of a trick one. If you're familiar with the Winter Park, Alphabet Chutes is a section of chutes in the Cirque. That's right, beyond the gated terrain. Another interesting little detail, I'm 99.9% .9 sure you can purchase replica trail signs of the other three chutes in the resort shops. One day, Jeff's chute, one day. Number nine, ninth and final. A lost Colorado ski area rises from the ashes, Cuchiara. Now this is sources the Colorado Sun, Cuchiara Mountain Resort, three hours due south of Denver, 32 miles off I-25, located closer to New Mexico ski areas than fellow Colorado ski areas, is back. Now in terms of ski area stats, vertical drop, 1,346 feet, average annual snowfall, 200 inches, skiable acres, well, TBD, because it takes a Herculean effort to reopen a lost ski area, let alone one that's been closed for two decades. But a small crew of volunteers has raised $250,000 and shepherded the resurrection of the lift number four, which climbs about 200 vertical feet to the top of the park and reaches five trails. Previously, the ski area positions itself for a winter resurgence by adopting year-round activities, including an 18-hole disc golf course, encouraging hiking to the summit, mountain biking, which will eventually be able to ride said restored lifts, to backcountry skiing. As the 2020 short film Abandoned pointed out, backcountry skiing came to define Kuchera. In recent years, for anyone interested in watching that short film, the segment on Kuchara starts at four, the 1424 mark. The film also features two other Colorado lost ski areas, the Berthoid Pass, which opened in 1937 to 2001, though not every year, and Geneva Basin Ski Area, which operated from 1963 to 1981. While it's often sad to hear the stories of lost ski areas and the people and the communities that suffered because of it, optimism, hope, if not downright inspiration, comes from hearing of those ski areas reopening, whether for backcountry skiing, summer operations, or just a smaller winter operation. But within five years, Kuchara, they're hoping to fire up all the old lifts. Again, a lift system that hasn't run in 20 years. So let's get to know the ski area just a little bit. Your trivia question, what two fictional characters are also trail names at Kuchara Mountain Resort. A, C-3PO, B, R2-D2, C, Gandalf, or D, Goofy. Now again, two right answers, two imposters. Correct answers are B, R2-D2, and D, Goofy. Now, to be straight, R2 
D2 is actually R2D Tor, a green circle at the base area. Goofy, also a green circle mid-mountain, is actually where lift number four, the first restored chairlift, will terminate. I encourage you to check out the trail map of the ski area that's mounting a comeback. And yes, corny mountain pun intended. That's it. Thank you for playing. And get running. Ski season will be here before you know it. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a comment, question, or correction? Email me at powderhoundskis at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at powderhoundskis. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. Hounds.